0: Have you ever met someone before? You, you probably meet different people probably once a week. Encounter is a different word in the English dictionary. Encounter usually means, it simply means unexpected meeting. An unexpected meeting. And sometimes if you would say an encounter, if I would say, hey, I had an encounter at the basketball game with the official, that usually doesn't mean something good, does it? It means I got to know him a little better than I wanted to, and he got to know me a little better than he wanted to. But in this boat, Peter has an encounter with the living God. They don't just shake each other's hands. Jesus looks into Peter's eyes, and he, and he believes in Peter. You ever had, you ever, we need to embrace that part of faith. We talk so much about faith, which is us believing in God, but sometimes we forget that the Son of God believes in you. So in this moment, what Peter says, he says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a ruined, For excuse me, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You heard me almost pronounce it wrong because Isaiah in chapter 6 In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says something very similar when he comes in contact with the presence of God. He says, woe to me, for I am a ruined man. In the book of Daniel, I believe it's Daniel chapter 10, when Daniel comes in contact with the Son of God, Daniel can't even look up. His body becomes weak, and he falls to his knees, and he's almost like paralyzed for a few moments. So an angel has to come and give Daniel strength. What I'm getting at here is, church, is that Peter had an experience, maybe it was a little bit supernatural, but that I hope all of you have at some point in your life where he comes in contact with the living God and recognizes his own sinfulness. I would go so far to say that if you haven't had a revelation or a recognition of the sin in your life, then you've probably just met Jesus. You probably just heard about him before somewhere in church and you're just following the crowd like everybody else is. But I would tell you, you're probably not a Christ follower because all of this begins with humility. All of this begins with recognizing that you are a man, you are a woman that is in need of a savior. If you're not, if you don't have any sin in your life, you don't need a savior, (laughs) I'm good. It's like the American the, the t-shirt I preached that before that we all like to wear. Actually, Jesus, I'm good. No need, No need to engage me anymore. I'm good. So this is where it all begins for Peter. So what happens to a man that says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man? He has this encounter with God. He has this experience of humility. And the next place we find Peter is the next one. Is on the water. In John, in, in Matthew, chapter fourteen through twenty-six through thirty-one, we find Peter on the water. In verse twenty-eight. So, if you, if you remember this story, so Jesus, the boat, and the wind. The wind is starting to go in and the water. And they're, they're out on, on a boat in the middle of a storm, and it's like the, many of the disciples. Some of them kind of come awake and come to life, and like, what in the world is going on, and where is Jesus? And they look out upon the water, and they see Jesus. But I don't know if any of you have ever ever read the Bible like I do. Sometimes, where you read what Peter said, and you're like, "Are you out of your mind?" So the first thing that Peter does when he sees Jesus, he's like, "Hey, tell me to come to you. <laughs> the wind's blowing, there's storms and everything, but you tell me to come to you, and I'm going to do this walk on water thing too. Who does that?" <laughs> Who says those kinds of things? You see something supernatural, incredible, there's no way to explain, and then all of a sudden you get this idea like, um, I think I can do that too. My wife, uh, I mean, my, my my daughter, my five-year-old loves to watch, we, we watch this show called The Carbonaro Effect every once in a while. Because if you've ever you've seen it before, he does these, he just does these magic tricks. that He does them in plain, plain sight. He does them during the day, like, like you go up to a grocery store and he's doing a magic trick on you. And so some supernatural feat of nature just happens right in front of you. There's no explanation for it. But yet people seem to go along with it like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, walking on water, no big deal. Let me see if I can do it. And that's kind of like what Peter's about to do. So where does he get this crazy idea of faith? Where in the world does this come from? So what you're witnessing with Peter on the water is he's experiencing the spiritual high. The living God has just looked into his eyes and said, come follow me. I believe you can do what I do. And he's watching Jesus do miracles. He's watching, he's seen different miracles already at this point into his life. And he is just on cloud nine because he has met the Son of God, and he is, well, part of his Talmudim. He's part of his inner circle. So not only can he do amazing things, can Jesus do amazing things, but Peter, just as all good disciples do that follow their rabbi, they can do what their rabbi does. Peter gets this most simple, profound revelation earliest in his faith, that simple revelation that what my God does, what my rabbi does, what my Lord does, I can do also, but time. Mean, you, did you ever have that feeling when you had that encounter with Christ, your moment of salvation, your moment when many of these things began for you, where you really felt like everything had changed? I'm a new person now. I've committed my life to Christ, and God's got his hand on me. And all of a sudden, the next day you wake up, the things that are happening in your life, they're not really accidents or coincidences anymore. God's hand is on everything. And I don't know if I'm speaking, uh, as some of you have experienced this before, but I know that was definitely the case for me. Every little thing for me after I became a Christian was a sign. Oh, I got, it's, uh, uh, I got, that song came on the radio. God's speaking to me through that song. What's the song? Oh, it was just some... Hank Williams Jr., but I know the Lord is speaking to me through that song. Everything, you know, everything is the Lord. God is moving somehow. And that's his, this is the way Peter is. Peter is on cloud nine. He's on a spiritual high. He's seeing God do amazing things, and he believes he can do what his rabbi does. And what happens next to Peter? It's what happens to all of us whenever we have a spiritual high, whenever we have a moment of faith, what happens next is he's walking on the water and Scripture says he sees the wind. He's doing the supernatural, but he assumes the natural elements of the world would overpower his ability to do the supernatural. In other words, he's walking in faith and he's doing miraculous, unexplainable things. But the things that are common to everyday life that tend to weigh us down, that tend to bog us down, that consume our thoughts, consume our minds, consume our actions, he assumes that these things would be too much for his supernatural faith. And Peter doesn't lose faith in the Jesus that he's looking at. He loses faith in himself. Have you ever lost faith in yourself before? I know I have. And so all this opportunity provided was yet just another moment for Jesus to reach down as Peter began to sink and provide salvation for him once again. So Peter reaches or Jesus reaches down and pulls Peter up and asks him you and tells him you have such little faith. And so Peter experiences, he does something supernatural, but he also experiences a mistake. He experiences failure. He experiences a correction from Jesus himself. And so, how would all of this transpire next for, for Jesus? The next place, excuse me, for Peter, the next place we find Peter. In John chapter 18, verses 8 through 11, as we find Peter in the garden. This is the garden of Gethsemane. Peter has been walking with Jesus for a while now. Some think maybe close to three years is just an estimate. Um, But he's been doing this for a while now. He's become accustomed to being part of Jesus' inner circle, being part of his Talmudim. And he's at a garden And Jesus gives, he's already had the last supper with them. And Jesus gives all his disciples a simple command, a simple command from the mouth of the Savior to keep watch for me for just a few moments. And for whatever reason, those words, listen to me now, those words don't mean as much to Peter as they used to. It used to be that when Jesus would speak, Peter would hang on every word. He would hang intently and he would watch Jesus walk on water and say, I can do what you do. And now Jesus says, keep watch. And not only Peter, but every one of the disciples that fallen asleep. And the Garden of Gethsemane is where Peter became, well, religious. Because the evidence of that is that when is when the the Pharisees and when the Jews came to arrest Jesus, Peter's response is to grab a sword and slice off the ear of one of those guards. The line that it says that 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 I would have given you up there, the scripture to notice in verse 11, it says, Jesus says, put your sword away. Peter's world's changing right in front of him in the garden. He's waiting for Jesus to go set up his kingdom and him and Jesus just and all the other disciples are going to rule and reign with Jesus. But right in front of him right now his whole world is changing. They're there to arrest Jesus and he assumes because of what he has always understood then now is his time to act out. Now is the time to fight. Now is the time to bring this king to the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. So Peter grabs his sword and he's ready to fight. It takes a mature man or a woman of God to realize that you've come to a point in your life where you've become religious. Most people wouldn't admit that so quickly and so easily. Sometimes we come to recognize as Peter did that this thing isn't going the way that I thought it would. This following Christ thing isn't happening like I thought it would. It's not, things aren't working out as I expected them. I know when I preach, you hear me use the word religion oftentimes in a negative sense. I, I do that because honestly, Jesus did too. There is one, one verse in the book of James that says pure religion is when, is when we take care of widows and we take care of orphans. Basically, in a, in a summary of that text, it just simply means that when your religion, when the things you feel as though you are obligated to do start causing you to make an impact in the world and make a difference in other people's lives, that's actually a good thing. But religion in 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 simplicity is taking your assumptions about who God is, your understanding about how this works for you, and putting this box around God, around who He is and what He can do. And Peter is right in the middle of this right now. I thought you were going to go set up your kingdom. I thought me and you were going to rule and reign. What is going on here? Why is this happening? This was not the way it was supposed to work out for me. I'm not letting this happen. And Jesus says to Peter, put your sword away. Sometimes when we become religious, we look around and we actually realize we're hurting more people than helping them. We find ourselves making judgments rather than showing grace. We find ourselves slandering others rather than affirming them and building up. And oftentimes we do that because we've, we've become accustomed to what faith looks like for us. And we no longer have an imagination that God could be bigger than the box that we've created for him. And this is exactly what is happening to Peter. Unexpected and unwanted change is happening right in front of him. Things are not working out like he thought they would. He has placed, Peter has placed a greater emphasis on the ways of man and his role in the kingdom versus understanding the will of the Lord. Jesus kept telling him. He would drop little hints time and time again. The son of man came to die. I will, I will, be, I will, I will die, but I will be lifted up. Jesus always kept dropping his disciples' hints, and they can never understand this. Now, Peter's still in the garden here. It would be great for a mature man or a woman of God to realize when they're in the garden, when they realize that they've really actually become very religious. They have certain ways that they operate in when it comes to faith, and they've drawn lines around This is all I've ever been. This is all I'm ever going to be. This is all God has ever done in my life. This is all he's ever going to do. No room for growth. No room for expansion. No room to break out of the box anymore. It would be great if when we're in the garden, we could realize we're in the garden. That I'm hurting people now. I'm not helping people anymore. God, help me. I need you more than I need myself. Can you get that fourth slide up? the next slide oh, those are Okay, so they're not coming up. Well the la- the next step because this is the- this is the this is the dangerous spot to be. The next place that Peter finds himself is in the courtyard in Luke 22 verses 54 through 62 Peter finds himself in the courtyard. This is what transpires. After Jesus is arrested, before he was arrested, he told Peter, you you speak all this passion about who you are, but I tell you before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me three times. And so in the courtyard, Jesus has been arrested. And scripture says, Peter followed at a distance. I say that again, Peter followed at a distance. This is where... Maybe Peter would still call himself a Christian personally. But he's really just following still out of curiosity. He's kind of hoping things maybe will work out. He's lost his passion. He's lost his authenticity. He's simply just following because that maybe there's some fear involved, that he doesn't know what happens at this point if he walks away. He's seen too many things. He's come to understand too many things. He's not quite ready to walk away. But the passion, the authenticity, that I'm going to stand beside Jesus till he dies, well, it's, he's lost it. It's gone. So Peter is following Jesus at a distance. Maybe it's curiosity. Maybe it's obligation. So I want you to hear this loud and clear this morning. Your religion will fail you, but Jesus never will. Let me say that again. Your religion will fail you at some time, but Jesus never will. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying your understanding of who God is, what he's done, what he is capable of, what it means for you today to be a disciple. And it's more about all those things that you think it doesn't mean, that God would never stretch me this far. God would never ask me to do something like this. God would never, God would never, all these things that you think you can't be used for in this box that you put God in, he will mess your box up someday. And when he does, What will happen to you in that moment? Will you find yourself in the garden and recognize that something in me needs to change? Or you end up in a place like the courtyard where it's a true, appropriate name, a true judgment for your own authenticity. Following Christ at a distance. And when people ask you, hey, aren't you, don't you go to West Alexandria Church of the Brethren? And you're doing this with your life? No, uh, it's not me. I'm not that kind of Christian. Hey, aren't you you a radical Christian? No, I'm not that crazy. I'm I'm not like that. I'm not one of those people that were with Jesus. We find ourselves saying those kinds of things. It's just not that real to us anymore. We're still kind of following, but at a distance. So Peter fails. He makes a mistake on the water. He's walking on water and he makes a mistake. And then 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 he cuts off some guy's ear and Jesus says, put your sword away. And then, he denies Christ three times in the courtyard. You ever have those feelings that I know what my life is supposed to look like as a Christian? Dad gone, and I just keep messing up. I still have this thing in my life that I thought would be gone a long time ago. I still have these habits. I still have these patterns. I, there's, just, there's still these ways that I think about life and think about things I keep messing up. And you got to wonder how much of a failure Peter felt in this moment before Jesus is crucified. What do we do with our experiences, our mistakes? And church, what I want you to understand in this moment is that All of these expectations aren't expectations that Jesus ever placed on Peter. These were expectations that Peter placed on himself. He's the one that said, well, I'm going to stand right beside you. I'm going to fight with you. We're going to build your kingdom. I'm going to be your right-hand man. Peter did that to himself. Jesus kept telling him, you're going to fail me. You're going to deny me. Peter, I'm going to die. It's not going to work the way that, that, that you think it's going to. But Peter wouldn't listen. He had in his mind, in his idea of what his life was supposed to be about. And when he failed his expectations, well, many scholars would say that Peter had actually walked away from Christ at this point. Because in the book of John, when it picks up, when Jesus begins to walk the earth, when Jesus is actually resurrected and walking the earth, I think I was telling Mickey about that the other day in our membership class, some of you forget that part of the story. That One of the reasons why Christianity is still preached today is because when Jesus resurrected, he actually hung out here on earth for a while. And scripture said over 500 people saw him. Physically saw him. And so Jesus is, is, when Jesus was resurrected, he tells one of the disciples, and go tell so-and-so and tell Peter. Peter needed to know that Jesus is resurrected. And... Jesus finally meets up with Peter. They have another encounter. And this time, Jesus is standing on the shore, and Peter is out in the water. And he says, why don't you cast the nets to the other side of the boat? And in that moment, Peter has another miraculous catch, just like he did in the beginning. And all of a sudden, he looks upon the shore, and that man that was asking him to do that, he recognizes who he is. He recognizes that it was Jesus. And Peter begins to come into shore, and all of a sudden, he's eating breakfast with Jesus on the shore. And he's remembering what this was like. He's remembering what it was like to have that first catch and have the Son of God look into your eyes and tell you he believes in you. And so what happens next in that scripture in in, in John chapter 21 is is fascinating because Jesus keeps asking Peter the question, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And then Jesus asks Peter again, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Then he asks him again, do you love me? And Peter gets offended. Here he is, this guy who's already failed Christ multiple times, and Jesus keeps asking this question. Seriously, Peter, do you love me? Peter? Peter? Do you love me? Jesus is reaffirming his belief in Peter. In Peter. He's telling him, Peter, you're going to fail me. Time and time again. You think you won't. <laughs> For lack of better words, Brody's interpreter, you arrogant narcissist. <laughs> but you will. You will drop the ball again and again. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to love you less. I'm going to tell you at that point, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Jesus reaffirms Peter for who he is. And he has to learn to find this new identity that includes his failures. That includes dropping the ball time to time. That includes having a bad day. That includes doing things that, that would seem like antichrist, that are in opposition to Christ. And then how could the Lord, I'm supposed to be the man, a man of God, and how could I do something like this? And Jesus would still say to him, Peter, do you love me and feed my lambs? He still keeps affirming Peter for who he is. And this last verse, the verse that in John 21, 15, he says that when you were older, he says when you were young, you used to. Dress yourself and used to be able to go wherever you wanted to go. But now that you are older, when you are older, someone else will dress you and they will take you to places that you do not want to go. That that verse has meant a lot to me. Um, I'm 38 years old and and I'm going to guess that some of you have had those moments, too, where you realize in your 20s, it's, it's all about you know, setting your life up and all these things you're going to do and all these ambitions and all these, all these things that you, you know you want to do someday and, and you kind of like map these things out and it's okay to try different things. It's okay to get education in this, maybe change your mind. But man, by the time you're in your 30s, you better pick something, okay? And what happens when you're in your about the age that I am and I watch a lot, a lot of my other friends my age go through this is we start getting a glimpse of what our life will probably look like. And life really happens to us more than we make it happen. And what Jesus is telling Peter is that as you get older, things are, going to do, things are going to start happening to you. You're going to start going places that you didn't want to go. And ultimately, it tells us that he's actually referring to the death that Peter would ultimately die. And what's so interesting about this whole story that I just told you, Peter's identity crisis in the Gospels, you know what we see in the New Testament when we look at Peter? Peter? We see a very even keel, man of God. We see a man that is that that in the book in, in Acts chapter 10 is open enough when Peter, when the Lord tells him to go preach to the Gentiles, he is open enough to realize that this rocks my world. Everything we've ever done has been to the Jews. You can't include Gentiles in the kingdom of God. Religious Peter is gone, and in that moment, Peter realizes that he could be wrong. His way of looking at things could be wrong. And what we see in Peter in Acts chapter 10 is simple obedience. We don't see the highs and lows of the identity crisis, but we know a man that still makes mistakes, that is still imperfect, but he has learned to trust in the word of the Lord and his confidence, his identity is found in the spirit that is inside of him and the God that has created him. Now, I have no idea as we talk for a few moments. And at this time, I'll ask the deacons to come forward as we prepare for communion. Where you may find yourself on this journey. Maybe you're still in the boat. The Lord's looking into your eyes and telling you he believes in you. And you're becoming aware of your sinful state and recognition that you need the living God. Maybe you're on the water. Maybe you're right now, on a spiritual high in your life. You believe that that you can do whatever the Lord tells you to and you're just continuing to obey. I hope you stay on the water as long as you want to and keep your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Maybe you're man or woman enough to to confess that you're really in the garden. Your faith has been boxed in for you. This is all I am. This is all I'm ever going to be. I'm just going to stay right here where it's safe. And when we live there for a while, we actually start hurting people rather than helping people. Maybe you're in the courtyard. You're still showing up on Sunday, but if you're really honest, you're following Jesus at a distance. You're curious. You feel this obligation. You don't want others to think any different of you, so you still show up. The last place that Jesus and Peter met up was on this beach. And what it was for for Peter was a time to remember. Remember what the Lord had done in his life. Remember how God's hand had been with him every step of the way. When we conclude and take communion once a month together, we're reminded in the verse in 1 Corinthians 11 that says, do this in remembrance of me. We need to remember who we are. Sometimes we forget who we are, but, but Scripture tells us to remember who we are, what the Lord has done for us in the past, who he is in the present, and what he has promised us in the future. So right now, as we prepare for communion all across this church, I want to encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to have your own moment of remembering. Remembering the hand of God in your life. Realizing that you are sitting here today because of all of these circumstances, because of all of these people, because of all of these opportunities, because of all of the open doors that you have ever been given. You are here in most everyone's cases in this room because you're standing on other people's shoulders. And you have a God that has gone before you and been with you every step of the way. And whatever failure you think is too much, whatever mistake that you think you've made, the Lord is here to reaffirm you today and tell you how much he loves you, to tell you that I have a plan for you, to tell you that I am not done with you yet. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that through the life of Peter, we can be reminded of who we are. We realize that the identity crisis is really just a part of life. It's something that we go through where we doubt ourselves. But Lord, you've never doubted us. You know us. You know our tendencies. You know our habits. You know our personality types. You know our spiritual gifts. You know our abilities. None of these things are a surprise to you. You know where we are likely to fall short and you still reach out your hand and say, I have a plan for you. But that plan is found in your pursuit of me. We love you, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. As the Lord leads you at this time, I want to invite you to come and partake of communion together. As always, I love to stand right here to the left as as you come forward. If you would be in need of prayer, I would love the privilege to pray with you. And maybe you're in one of those seasons. You know, maybe, maybe something just hit a nerve this morning and you just want to come up and say, you know what? I'm in the garden right now. I've, I've boxed God in. And it's, it's become dry. It's become dull. And I don't want this kind of faith anymore. I need to get out of here. And I need to do what the Lord's calling me to do. Or maybe you have said, you know what? I'm in the courtyard. I'm just going through the motions. I'm following Christ at a distance. It's time for change. All right, so at this time, I want to invite you to come forward. If you would be in need of prayer, I'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you. Thank you for these moments we can have together at your table. We are here as the church, and we've been reminding each other that the church is not the four walls. It is the people that are here. When we remember, it does us well to remember with others. To come and partake together at the Lord's table and say we are still pursuing the living God. The Lord is still working in our lives, and we are still coming after him for today, and for tomorrow. So, Lord, as we continue to pursue you, may you build our church. May we trust you for what is next, for the next season, for the next open door, as we stay close to your heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.